Hello there, this is Guru talking to you about Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain how. First off, it is absolutely free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more providers. You can also make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hello there, this is Guru talking to you about anchor.fm. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First off, it's completely free. Second, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast as well with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. NBA draft has concluded, and free agency is about to begin. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Ballistic Podcast. I'm your host for today, Guru, and along with me from Phoenix over Skype, it's Jeff Sue. Jeff, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Guru. I'm excited to do this podcast. It's been a it's been a rough week. It's been a record breaking you know temperature for me. It's a, it was 120 for a day for me and it's Damn. been consistently over 115 so um you know i'm excited to though for the nba draft it was it was some uh, some a lot of big names out there for this year so yeah let's let's just get down to business and talk about it yeah for sure and i hope you survive the heat in phoenix but yeah so let's just get on with the draft so uh, i want to talk about a little bit about how this actual draft compared with our mock uh, if you guys don't know we actually had a mock draft uh, you can search up on YouTube, 2017 NBA Draft Ballistic Podcast, and you should be able to find it. And we have um, player comparisons, uh, team needs, and the players that we actually drafted in the, into those slots. So please do go and check it out. But uh, how did the actual draft compare with our mock, Jeff? Uh, I think for most people, including ours, the, our mock drafts were pretty similar. It was pretty predictable draft in terms of the first 15 picks this year. Some notable ones were, you know, Josh Jackson instead of we drafted him third or uh, Rune drafted him third, but uh, he was actually drafted fourth. Uh, Tatum was drafted third. And it was interesting because there was a story that came out that Josh Jackson, I don't know if you heard it, but apparently he he uh, canceled his workout with Boston Celtics, even though like he was going to work out in, I, I believe, Sacramento and the Celtics were on the flight. Like halfway through the flight to Sacramento, and he canceled it right then. Yeah. So, and I heard, you know, the Celtics GM and coach were really pissed, and that affected him not being drafted third. Yeah, and they were like reporters were actually asking the Suns GM questions whether he had anything anything to do with it, and he just replied saying, "I had nothing to do with it. I know uh, Ainge is very competitive, and I'm also a very competitive person as well." So it was it was definitely very interesting if uh, the mean? Suns had anything to do with it. But hey, Josh Jackson is a, a Phoenix Sun now. Uh, another thing that happened was that uh, Varun actually drafted 
the Dennis Smith to go uh, number six to, to go to the Orlando Magic, but he ended up falling to the ninth slot to the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, you have any thoughts on that? Well, I find it interesting because the first of all, the Magic, I think they could have used a Dennis Smith, but they decide to you know try to experiment more to see if Alfred Payton is a good point guard, which is interesting because you know he. He can't shoot for his life, so we'll see if that plan that pans out. But uh, you know, the Mavs were really excited when they drafted Dennis Smith. I like, I saw that um, in the locker room. You know, they were they were cheering when they they heard that you know he was available. They really want this guy, and they believe that he can be potentially a rookie of the year. And I mean, Varun is super high on him, and I think so too. He's he's got explosiveness. He was playing on a team that really relied on him too much he had to force up a lot of bad shots and i think on a team where there's actually pro players surrounding him i think he has a potential to play really well as a starting point guard so i think it's really intriguing yeah i think he's intriguing as well and listen the dallas mavericks don't really have a point guard on their roster at least a defined point guard and i mean dennis smith can step in start right away and find find success he'll have the opportunity to find success so good for him for finding the right team. And uh, another slight change that happened from our mock draft was that Malik Monk uh, dropped from 10 to 11. We sort of predicted that Malik Monk was going to drop in this draft, but I did not see him dropping to the Hornets, and uh, he did. So good for Charlotte. I yeah. mean, I, I Malik Monk, I, I like him as a scorer, and I, I remember during our draft, I had I was you know I was the Charlotte Hornets GM at that time, and I I really wanted him to drop to 11th and. You know, the, he he really fits a lot of what Charlotte needs, an off-the-bench instant scorer. Because last season, they really struggled with their team uh, because compared to the year before last season, because uh, they lost Courtney Lee and Jeremy Lin, players that, specifically Jeremy Lin, you know, p- player that would come off the bench and give them instant offense. And I think Malik Monk can fill that role. And hopefully the Charlotte Hornets, you know, with, with Malik Monk can get back into the playoffs because... They definitely have a talent. They have a they have a really good starting lineup. Uh, so adding him as a, as a bench presence uh, would help a lot. What do you think? Yeah, and I also th- I I agree with you with everything you said. And I also uh, I also think that uh, the Jeremy Lin uh, comment was brought in without any bias from your side. So, uh, <laughs> so <laughs> whoa, he's a good player. I don't know why you had to bring that up. He is a good player. I I I did say that I agreed with everything you said. Right. Okay. Yes, uh, I I agree, but I don't I don't I don't think you needed to bring up that it was with no bias. <laughs> Anyways, let's move on. Okay. Yeah. Let, let's just move on. So okay. So a lot of trades happened and also didn't happen during uh, this NBA draft. So let's talk about the trade that did happen first. So the Timberwolves made a trade with the Chicago Bulls, sending uh, Jimmy Butler to the Timberwolves and the number sixteen pick, and Chicago ended up getting uh, Zach Levine. Chris Dunn and the number seven pick. Uh, how did you how did you think the the Bulls did in this trade, uh, Jeff? I know everyone wants to talk about Jimmy Butler going to the T Wolves first, but how did the Bulls do in your mind? Well, the Bulls have been trying to trade Jimmy Butler for a long time, so I'm I'm sure they've listened to countless number of deals with a lot of different teams, but uh, I don't think the the Bulls, you know, they got they did get talent, you know. Um, they got Chris Dunn, who was the top five pick last year's draft. Unfortunately, uh, he didn't really have a chance to showcase his abilities as much. And he, you know, when he did, he wasn't—he was pretty trash. But I think him, 
he he has a lot of potential still. He's he's 23. He's a little older for a second year player, but he could still develop into the John Wall player that people thought he was going to be. And along and another other player, Zach Levine, coming off an injury, we'll have to see how he covers from the injury. But I think I was pretty high on him last year with the way he was playing. He was he was averaging over 20 points for a lot of the season, and he people underrate him as a three point shooter. He shot over six threes, almost seven threes a game, and he hit almost 40%. And I think that's pretty good for today's NBA. It's a lot better than the player that they traded away in Jimmy Butler. And so, you know, I think he's a really good pickup, and he's a potential future multi-time, multi-time all-star. Wow. And I believe so. I think he has the talent. He has the less Like, players who are athletic have an advantage over the players who aren't. And he can shoot. He can get to the basket. So I definitely see him as a potential multi-time all-star. And the last thing they got was the pick, the seventh pick. And they drafted Lowry Markinen, Markinen, who a lot of people say is a good fit for the Bulls. I know Guru during the mock, I mean, not Guru, Varun during the mock draft said he was like a Miritich, uh, which is like weird because, you know, they have Miritich on that team. But I think a lot of other people see him as more of a Dirk-like um, that's that's probably a little higher than what he is, but he he's a good stretch four, and you know that that's great for today's NBA. And another thing about these three players is that I I believe these three players fit more into Fred Hoiberg's pace and space system. He's finally getting players that you know could fit a system instead of having these players that you know like Jimmy Butler. He's a great player and all that, but he can't really shoot. He's you know he's kind of a ball stopper and he's great on defense, but you know, I think these three players fit a system. So, I'm, you know, I don't think they did that bad. Okay. Well, I mean, I have some I have some things to say about that. But let me t- talk about it from uh, the Timberwolves' perspective. So, the Timberwolves got Jimmy Butler, who, I mean, we were all high on the Timberwolves last year. I don't know if, if you were, but I definitely was high on the Timberwolves. I thought they had an outside chance to make the playoffs last year. Uh, but one thing they were really lacking watching them watching them play this season was this past season was they lacked the veteran presence. They lost a lot of close games. Uh, they sometimes lacked effort on the offensive de- and defensive ends. And sometimes when your coach is the only person who can get into you in those times, it gets old. So the Timberwolves really needed a veteran presence to really give that team some direction and uh, some mentorship and I think Jimmy Butler having played under Tom Thibodeau in the past definitely gives the Timberwolves that sort of of leadership that they desperately needed and I now think that the Timberwolves have an outside chance of making the playoffs again I'm gonna have to see how they start the season and how Jimmy Butler actually fits in with the rest of their pieces but I mean hopefully um, this means good things for the Timberwolves and I mean they got the number 16 pick as well uh, which they used to draft Justin Patton uh Listen, I think he is a future backup to Carl Anthony Towns, but potentially in the future. He he's very raw, but he'll get time to develop in that Minnesota Timberwolves system. So uh, good for the Timberwolves. Uh, I felt that the Bulls uh, could have kept the, that number sixteen pick. I felt in this deep of a draft where uh, you could get uh, players who could uh, could potentially play right away or uh, potentially be very very good players. I felt that the Bulls could have kept that number sixteen pick. And uh, could have uh, had one more player that who they could build around. So I didn't. I, I was pretty mad that they gave that up, uh, as well as uh, they traded the number thirty-eight pick to the Golden State Warriors. I felt that for a team that's rebuilding, every pick is uh, essential. And I uh, didn't like how the Bulls were throwing around picks there. So that's one complaint I have about the Chicago Bulls. Jeff, 
Yeah, well, it's kind of interesting that they sold the pick for 3.8, which is, I think, the most money ever sold for a pick. And um, it's kind of weird. It's a weird move, I have to say. Like, the Bulls could use another young talent on their team. Definitely, in this deep draft. In this deep draft, yeah. So it's it's just a weird move. Kind of goes to show how the Warriors are on another level. They're willing to pay money for a lot of money for a 38th pick of the draft, which is, is usually not really that high. But uh, I think that, what, they did this last year too? They did this the, last year. They got Patrick McCaw. McCaw, and he, he contributed in the finals. It's it's interesting how the Warriors are on another level. Like, I know I'm from the Bay. I'm kind of a Warriors fan too, but you you can't fault them for what they did. They're building through the draft, which is pretty surprising, you know, with number 38 they're able to make that much of impact with last year's draft and, yeah and yeah. Uh, and teams are letting them do it as well so might as well uh so let's get on to the next topic jeff so wait wait, wait. before you get on right timber you said the timberwolves might get back into the playoffs do you know do you know the last time they made the playoffs um i i know that kg sam cassell uh latrell spiro was on that team they made the they made the western conference finals right if i'm not mistaken yes they did and that they was... they lost to the lakers yeah, so... And you know, it, well, it was the year that the Pistons won the championship, eventually. All right. Uh, which is... Which is... Uh, God, what's the year? God, 2000, right. 2004? Yeah, it's 2004. Ah, okay, that's, there you that's go. That's the biggest drought in the NBA. So wow. hopefully with Butler, they can make it. But, uh, I mean, I highly doubt it. They're in the West. They have so much competition. So we'll see. But, uh, yeah, let's, let's move on to the next topic. The Celtics, they were they had the most buzz in terms of potential trades. Um, is there any one that really stands out to you that you think would have improved the Celtics a lot? Well, the the Christos Porzingis trade stands out to me because that would have put the Celtics at another at, at another level uh, for the present as well as uh, towards the future. Um, I mean that really stood out, but um, the Paul George talk did get hot. Uh, at the beginning of the draft, if I'm if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, right, Jeff? Yeah, it was like I remember Woj reporting that, you know, the Bull, the Celtics were a, a, assembling a package for Paul George. Hmm, yeah, it's interesting though because these are kind of opposite directions. You get a Kristaps who you're kind of more building for the future. He's not really at his prime. He's not even an All Star yet. And or you get a Paul George, it's more of like a win now situation. You get him potentially for one year because, or try to convince him for more. But you know, you get him for only a guaranteed one year, and you kind of have to win now with him. So it's interesting that they're completely different directions. Yeah, I, I, I I'm going to have to agree with you there. And so, which which one do you think they they should go towards? Listen. I, I don't know what path they should go towards, whether it be, I mean, whether it's like trading for pieces that are, are going to be useful for in the future or pieces that are going to be useful now. But I know this, the Celtics cannot draft players with every single pick that they have. I mean, how many how many first round picks did they have? Like seven for the next uh, for the next three or four years? Something, <laughs> yeah. something, something really crazy like A that. A lot. Right. So uh, I don't I don't really think they should be drafting players for every single pick because, I mean, some of those picks are going to be in the 20s. And who knows whether you're going to get a piece that could contribute uh, to a championship roster uh, in the 20s. I mean, it's very, very rare. And listen, if you're the Celtics, you're a 51 team, you're closer to the Cavs than I think a lot of people think. I think 
I think you should go, you should go for it if the right trade comes along. I mean, I, I don't want your I don't want the team to get fleeced. And I mean, the last person I'm worried about getting fleeced is Danny Ainge, but I don't think you should value your young pieces or young potential pieces, which are draft picks, more than you value uh, a player like Christos Porzingis or Paul George. I, I think uh, the Celtics are reaching that point where they're getting a little too patient. And I think it may be a problem for them in the in the future because if you're banking on the Cavs losing LeBron... I mean, I don't, I'm not saying that the Celtics are banking on the Cavs losing LeBron next year, but I'm saying that if you're banking on being better than the Cavs next year without doing anything, then you don't know about the teams that are just behind you, like maybe the Milwaukee Bucks or the Washington Wizards, who could overtake you very easily and uh, could leave you in a bind. So that's my problem with uh, the Celtics. I feel that they're being too complacent, and uh, they, I feel that they could like they feel that they can predict the future, which I don't think is possible. So yeah, that's my take, Jeff. Well, yeah. Well, I think the reason why they're being this complacent is because they don't want to just get a piece. They don't want to just get a Paul George. Because if you think about it, you know, do you think a Paul George, just adding him on, getting rid of some picks, would would they be a championship team? Just just adding Paul George on the team without removing anyone significant from the roster. I don't think they'd, they'd be a champ, championship team, but they'd make the, I mean, they they would have a fair shot to make the finals in a couple of years. Probably not okay, next year, but. A couple of. So okay, so here this is what I think. This is I think that they don't want to make that move until they to take the next step. They don't want to make a micro step. They want to make a move such as the move they made in 2008, getting the the big assembling that big three, Ray Allen, Paul Pierce, and KG. They want to make a move where they know that they have a team they can make the finals. And right now they have a lot of assets and a potential to make something you know great. Get rid of all these things. Get all these assets at the same time and assemble your team to win. And I don't, I don't, I don't think that they want to add a little piece and still lose to the the Cavs again next season. So that's just my take on it. Yeah, and, and that's and that's fair. You know, I mean, so, yeah. If you if you feel that whatever you do, you're going to lose to the Cavs anyway. That's I mean, that's that's something to definitely consider. But an, another factor is that Isaiah Thomas, Avery Bradley, and I think Jay Crowder, their, their contracts are all up next year am i correct so i mean you're gonna to have to make some difficult choices in free agency as well and pretty much the i mean the trade chips are going to be the only things you have going forward i mean financial flexibility financial flexibility is slowing slowly going away as well that's what i'm saying jeff yeah well getting those players off i mean i don't know we'll see we'll see how they do in free agency in the next two years because Boston's always been one of the destinations. People they can get the meetings with the big big dogs. They got one with Durant last year, but they haven't. They only signed Horford, so we'll see if free agents will want to go there, like a Blake Griffin, or you know someone like that. So you know we'll just have to wait and see it. But I really like the assets they have and the potential of them assembling like a great a great team in the future. Okay, um, you want to introduce the next topic, or should I? Uh, no, just go ahead. Talk okay, about, so. Uh, Next topic. Let's talk about the Kings draft a little bit. So the Sacramento Kings, they came into the draft with, I believe, uh, uh, three picks, uh, two in the first round, one in the second round, and they ended up with f- four picks, uh, three in the first round, one in the second round. And uh, they they made a good maneuver, a, a great trade, trading the number 10 pick to the Portland Trailblazers for their number 15 and number 20 and uh, having and using their 
first pick in the second round for for something great. Uh, so, well, yeah, what do you think of it? What do you think of the King, Kings draft? I thought it was excellent. Yeah, I think there's a consensus around everyone that they, that they probably had the best draft. They got a lot of players, but I, what I like the most about the players that they got is that all these players, you know, uh, Darren Fox, Justin Jackson, what's the other guy's name? Harry, Harry, Harry Giles, Giles and uh, Frank Mason. And, uh, Frank Mason. They're yeah. all really high, you know, high character players. They're all known as players that you know really carry themselves really well on and off the court, and are you know potential leaders for their team. And I just, it just, it just really consistent with what the Kings are trying to do. They got rid of Cousins because of the fact that he has a huge character flaws and issues on the court all those technicals he gets you know he's he's not really great with his teammates and these players are the exact opposite you know they're known as players that people want to play with you know he respect each other and so i really like where the king's direction are going in terms of that so you know i'm happy for them yeah, and and not only that, their their moves make sense from a player personnel standpoint as well. I mean, you talk about yeah. uh, Deer and Fox, their 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 first pick. Uh, they, I mean, they needed a point guard in the worst way, and Deer and Fox is the best player to fill that role at at number five. And then they traded that tenth pick for the fifteenth and twentieth for a team that is rebuilding and needs as many pieces as possible. I thought that was a great move, uh, an underrated move. And with the fifteenth pick, they got Justin Jackson, who is just a solid all around player. You know what you're going to get from him. He ha- he has a high floor, yes. Probably not going to be an all-star, but maybe he can be a 3 and D guy going forward. And then at the number 20 pick, you draft Harry Giles. And I, I love that pick because, I, I mean, maybe he's going to take a long time to come around. But at number 20, that's when you take risks like that. I mean, there's not a chance. I mean, there's uh, there's not really a chance that a player that you, that you draft as number 20 is going to be an all-star. And Harry Giles definitely has that potential. You're going to have to bring him along slowly. But if you do that and you, and you take care of him, and in a couple of years, he could be an all-star. He was a number one record, recruit coming out of high school. And that potential doesn't just go away. You're going to have to rebuild his confidence. But I think the Kings can do that uh, if their player um, pr- uh, player development staff is good enough for that. And then with the first pick in the second round, they draft Frank Mason III out of Kansas. Wooden player of the year. His body doesn't quite translate to the NBA. But I think he has a, a long, productive career at a, ahead of him on the bench. And he's going to bring a lot of character to that, to that, to that team as well. So... I love their draft. I love the players that they drafted. And hey, if they end up end up turning it around, we'll go back to this draft and talk about how great this draft was for the Sacramento Kings. And I really, really think we'll end up doing that, Jeff. And yeah, that's uh, those are my thoughts on that. We'll see. We'll see. But one another point that I really am really interested in next year, or I really is gonna I'm gonna love next year, is the fact that the Kings drafted Deeran Fox, making him in the same same division as. Lonzo Ball. As Lonzo Ball, oh man! So it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty fun watching them go at, at least have four matchups every year because the way they Jaren Fox shut down Lonzo Ball in college. So. Yeah, and didn't Fox's dad tell uh, uh, Levar Ball to check the tape? Oh, it's gonna be so good watching that matchup. Just seeing their dads go at it, also. So it's 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 good. It's great for the NBA that the Kings are finally not just a big fuck up again. So oh. it'll be fun. Dang. Okay. Well, uh, Kings and Lakers. I mean, it's been a long time since that rivalry was really good. So, I mean, hopefully those two can bring up that rivalry again. Who knows? Anyway, yeah, well, let's, let's move on. Yeah, let's move on. To so, the next topic. Um, so, yeah. You want to talk about the G League? 
Yeah, so um, the D-League is being rebranded and renamed to the G-League. And for those of you who don't know, the G stands for Gatorade. And one of the new things in the new CBA is that uh, that, that NBA teams can have players on two-way contracts right now. Uh, And what a two-way contract is, basically, is that if you sign a player to a two-way deal, uh, they'll spend most of their time uh, in the G-League pretty much developing as players these these two-way contracts are meant for players who are second-round picks or are players who, do, who go undrafted who the team still wants to have in, contr- in control. So basically, they're like minor league slots. If you know baseball, if you know about the minor league, it's sort of very similar to that. But these players can only spend up to 45 days on an, on an NBA roster. So that pretty much shows that those players are stuck, going to be stuck in that G League, but they're under player control. I mean, they're under team control, sorry. And the teams can check on those players' development. And, and they like... If they like those players and the way they're developing, they can call them up. And uh, so based on how I described it, Jeff, what do you think of this? Wait, so these players, they they have 45 days on their roster. So the roster, you know, if they call them, get called up to the main NBA roster, does that mean that roster is 16 players? Or one of the players gets called up? Or? So the rosters, as, as far as I understand, the rosters are expanding to 17 players. Wow. From okay. 15 to 17. So uh, 30 teams means that there's 60 new players who are going to be officially NBA players uh, nice. by, by, by roster standards. And I think that those players can only spend 45 days on an NBA roster. So Does that include um, the playoffs? Huh? Does that include the playoffs? Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. We're, we're, we're okay. going to have to wait and see. Prob- okay. Probably not. But uh, yeah, what do you think about this idea in general, though? I mean, I think it's good. I think it's good. I think having, you said extra 60, yeah, two per team, yeah. 60 players in the league is good. You know, players that have guaranteed contracts, I guess new G League contracts. Um, There's a lot of players that don't make it in the NBA even though they have the talent. Largely because of the fact that there's not enough roster space. And playing in the D League, what used to be, what is now the G League, but used to be the D League, you know. Yeah. Playing the D League doesn't pay well at all. I, I know for a fact that they fly commercial. They're they're like seven foot players. They gotta they gotta you know squeeze into in those, those tight seats. seats, and they have to travel a lot of times by bus. You know you don't pay well. It's 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 a pretty crappy salary, I think. So it's good that there's you know more guaranteed spots, and you know you get to play in the D League. So I I think it's great for the NBA. It's just more of a minor league, more of a legitimate minor league, and I, I like it. Yeah, uh, I like it a lot too. I mean, as you said, I mean, 60 new players getting that new NBA opportunity is going to be huge. Not not only for the NBA, but in basketball in general, because more more players are going to have hope that the the NBA is a, po- a possibility for them. And listen, I mean, if you get cut by an NBA team, there's there's almost no turning back. I mean, that player almost loses every opportunity that he has to make the M- to make the NBA, and then he he goes to the D League. Maybe he goes to Europe. I mean, Europe is not that bad. But what I'm trying to say is that you're giving more people that NBA opportunity. And who knows? I mean, maybe, I mean, through these G League contracts, they will get more NBA exposure. And when they finally are ready for the NBA, they are given a rotation spot and maybe even a big contract. So, uh, listen, I'm looking forward to see how many players actually make the NBA through this G League initiative. Uh, Really looking forward to that. Yeah. Um, well, let's move on to the next topic. So Woj, you know, we all, Woj did a really good job with his vertical draft show. As always. And as always. Uh, it was, it was, 
it was a pretty interesting experience. I had the I had the uh, the vertical on one screen, and I was watching on the TV the ESPN show, and I really felt like the ESPN show I was watching, watching like the the past, because I, I already knew who was going to be drafted. Right. Right. Five, to, you know, more than five minutes before the actual pick. So, you know, and the vertical, the vertical draft show was it feels more like actual basketball content. They focus on they tell you who the pick is going to be based on Woj's tweets. And they immediately start getting into the meat of it, how this player will play on this team, you know, what's his, what will his impact be, what his role will be, you know, potential other other picks that this team will look for. And there, wasn't, there was no BS. And when you watch the, the ESPN show, it felt more like it was a reality show. You want to see the players, you know, sit there with their families, wait for their names to get called and walk up, you know, hug their, all, hug their whole family. And, you know, it just felt like, you know, you're watching it more for entertainment, like a reality show entertainment. So it was a huge contrast. And uh, it was reported that, you know, earlier this year that Woj is apparently moving to ESPN. So I'm interested to see, you know, how this show, you know, how his, his content will translate, you know, will, will transition. So Ver, I don't know if you've seen any of his other shows, like his podcast guru. But uh, what do you think about, you know, this potential move happening and how it affects the vertical? Yeah, it's definitely a very interesting thing to think about. I mean, you're talking about Yahoo Sports and ESPN or rather the vertical in ESPN. You're talking about like two different ways to talk about basketball. I mean, you, 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 look, you listen to the vertical podcast and you watch the vertical NBA draft special or NBA trade deadline special. It's just a, a more in-depth way to discuss trades, draft picks, free agency, etc., and I mean, it's more favorable to diehard fans like you and I, whereas the ESPN shows are more, it's more reality show. It's more, okay, which, which player is going where, how much money he's going to make, uh, well, well, is he going to be box office wherever he goes? It's more, it's more that type of talk. And listen, it's going to be very, very interesting to see how they, how they mesh. I know that, I mean, if Woj is going to ESPN, he's going to demand some things change. And it's going to be very interesting to see as what, he should. Yeah, as, as he should. And it's going to be very interesting to see what things change. I mean, are the vertical and the ESPN draft show, are they going to be separate shows? Uh, are, is the vertical show going to be online and the actual ESPN show going to be on TV? Or is it going to be something like they mix up, mixed together and Woj just sort of the sideline reporter in that entire NBA draft show? And uh, I mean, the trades are known quicker and the trades are updated faster. And uh, maybe some of his um, vertical insiders are coming along with him, joining him at ESPN, making it more basketball centric, more hardcore basketball uh, centric. So, uh, I mean, I hope you see where I'm going with this. Yeah, they definitely need to do something about it. And I, I hopefully Woj can bring something because watching that draft, watching that draft and seeing there was a few things that were, were pretty outdated. Um, did you see the uh, the assistant, deputy GM? What's his name? Not the Mark GM, Tatum. Deputy, Mark Tatum. Yeah, deputy uh, commissioner. While he was announcing, he was up there announcing picks. There was a guy in the crowd that was yelling out the actual pick because Woj had already tweeted it. So, and then I think <laughs> Mark Tatum was That's laughing. That's hilarious. When, yeah. So it's like we all know. It's just. It's just you know we all know who's going to be drafted because of this. So I think they should find a way to maybe implement more of 
you know, Woj's knowledge now that they're going to get him. So uh, I'm, I'm sure Mark Tatum was laughing, but I'm, I'm also sure that it's not a laughing matter for the NBA. I mean, yeah. it, it just takes away from their own draft show, right? If players, if, uh, if the picks are known before they're actually announced, right? Yeah. So, then, yeah, continue, Jeff. Yeah. Another thing that bothered me a lot was the fact that, you know, we really knew certain trades happened. And, you know, we all knew that Lowry, Markkanen with the seventh pick, you know, technically... Was you know, he was going to go to the Bulls, but it was still the Timberwolves pick. But you know they still give him the you know they still give him the Timberwolves hat, and he goes up there and takes a picture with them, and you know he has a Timberwolves you know, background gets, around him. And I'm just right? going to jump into it. It's 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 insane. It's ridiculous it's that we still have to go through this in this day and age where everything is known, agents know everything, reporters know everything, and listen. Uh, I don't. I, I really don't know what to say. To it. It's it's ridiculous. I mean, the D'Angelo Russell trade happened two days ago, and that trade still didn't go through until the second round began. I mean, wh- I mean, what's going on? Why can't a player wear the cap of the team he's actually going to instead of the team that was slotted to draft him that happened to be slotted to draft him? It's so awkward. Yeah, they need to make a lot of changes. Um, so hopefully Woj can uh, demand some of that because I think he's he's kind of above ESPN in terms of what he brings. He's he is the guy to go to in the NBA. Yeah, I, I really hope that Woj is like the CEO of like what what the NBA of NBA coverage. I really, and I really hope he hope brings that. the team. Yeah, and I yeah, hope and he I, brings it to Shake Shams. Every everybody, Sh- Bobby yeah, Marks, not just Shams. Bobby Marks, uh, the Draft Express people, Draft Express. I think Mike Schmidt. Something Schmidt. Do, do you and see? Just, do you see a partnership with Draft Express and uh, ESPN now that Chad Ford is gone from ESPN? I I yeah, I hopefully yeah because I I think that's part of the Woj thing. He'll probably bring because because Draft Express is now part of the vertical. Yeah, they are. So I, and they do such a good job. Their videos, their content on their you know, breakdowns, breaking down prospect amazing. Is, like I I use those all the time and I think it's amazing. And I, I definitely think, yeah, getting rid of Chad Ford, you need, you need someone to replace the void. And I definitely think they should bring the draft success people. Hmm. So yeah, I agree. Okay. Well, um, we'll see what happens when Woj finally joins ESPN on July first, and we know that's going to happen because uh, on the on the low podcast, the latest low podcast, uh, Brian Windhorst basically said that. So we're going to be having our free agency show on the thirtieth. Uh, June 30th, July 1st, and 2nd. And who knows, maybe we'll sign our own free agent as well. And that pretty much gave it away. And Lowe was like, okay, okay, let's stop talking about that. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, it's it's. I think it's pretty clear that Woj is joining ESPN now. It's just a matter of time before uh, uh, we see what happens with the vertical, whether it'll exist or not, and what Woj will do to say goodbye to Yahoo Sports. So uh, we'll see what happens with that. So uh, without further ado, let's go on to our next topic. Uh, our last topic. And our last topic, and it's going to be very, very quick. Uh, Jeff, who do you think is going to be uh, a rookie of the year? The rookie of the year, I think, is not a player that was drafted this year, but it was a player who you know got injured last year, but has been studying you know the 76ers offense. Are you sure about that? Season. Are you sure about that? He he didn't He's study around. The, he didn't study a lot at LSU. Okay, well, uh, there. Yeah, I went there. <laughs> well, I had to go there. That's a whole different topic. You opened that door. You opened that door. 
I think it's stupid that he had to go there. But no, my point was that he's been around the 76ers, been around the players. He knows what, you know, he knows what these players are, who these are. And, he, you know, he's comfortable around the team. And I think he's going to be great next year. He's going to be a triple-double threat. Might not score a lot of points, but the rebounds and, rebounds and assists are going to be there. And it's going to be really fun to watch. And I think he's going to be the rookie of the year, Ben Simmons. What about you? Who do you think? <laughs> I'm still laughing at my own joke. Uh, yeah, but you opened that door. And uh, <laughs> listen, I, th- I think Ben Simmons is going to be great his first year as well. I, th- I just think his like mind and um, the way he plays the game is like so far above uh, all other rookies that are going to be uh, eligible for the Rookie of the Year award. But just for the sake of being different. Yes, that's what I said. Yeah, just for so the sake of... You're picking Ben Simmons too? No, uh, for the sake of being different, I was about to uh, continue my statement. For the sake of being different, I'm going to go Lonzo Ball. I think he is very, very close to Ben Simmons in terms of basketball IQ. He might be a better shooter. Who knows? We'll see. And listen, if he if he is going to fix the Lakers like LeBron, LeBron Ball says he's going to, and they're very, very close to making the playoffs, that is a very hot topic, a very hot storyline. And that would really help Lonzo Ball win Rookie of the Year. So um, that's my pick for the sake of being different. Okay. Let's hope he doesn't play. Uh, hope he uh, shows up again when he plays De'Aaron Fox. That's uh, all I have to oh, say. Oh man. <laughs> okay, so you're you're coming back with your own low blow a little bit, but well, okay. This this concludes our show uh, for this week. So make sure to check back with us uh, for our next show. Hopefully, we'll be talking about uh, more of the free agency musings that are going on in the NBA. And hey, we'll we'll see you next week. Thank you. <laughs>